Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Soap fans and true believers, it's Lucretia Lyon, again, and boy do I have a show for you. First, I have Sean Kanan, ex-AJ Quartermain of General Hospital, and Deacon Sharp of Bold and YNR, in to talk about the show he stars in, as well as co-wrote with his wife, Michelle, Studio City. Studio City follows the life of a soap star in the real drama behind the scenes. If you haven't seen Studio City yet, check it out on Amazon Prime, especially before listening to this, as I discuss a few spoilers in the interview. It's a quick watch, and Prime is free for the first 30 days if you don't already have it. You will certainly recognize a lot of the Studio City cast if you are a soap fan, and unlike The Tonight Show, it's a flattering portrayal. But more on that later. It's Believe in Soap Operas, and this week I have Sean Kanan, who I know best as A.J. Quartermain on General Hospital, but he was also Deacon Sharp on The Bold and the Beautiful, as well as The Young and the Restless. But you have a new show that's really a love letter to soap, Studio City. How did you come up with that? Um, you know, Studio <laughs> City's a project that I've been working on for a long time. It was one of those one of those things that I'd worked on and then I throw back in my drawer and I you know, finally the right series of variables fell into place. Um, not the least of which was finding my one of my partners, uh, Timothy Woodward Jr., who is our director and my producing partner in this, and uh, you know, getting it financed and and uh, you know, my my wife is one of the producers and writers, and you know, she's terrific and was extremely instrumental in getting this made, and just everything kind of fell together, and in very short order, after having worked on this for a very very long time, we were in production. So it was really exciting. Um, it, it was fantastic that, you know, I had the chance to work with friends and actors that I've worked with extensively before. Um, you know, Carolyn Hennessy. Oh, yes. Uh, Patrika Darbo, Tristan Rogers, Sarah Joy Brown, uh, Scott Turner Schofield. And, um, you know, we, we, we were pretty proud of what we came up with. It's very exciting. Yeah, and I just watched the whole series because it's a pretty short watch, which is great, and I can't wait for more. But yeah, it's so nice to see Sarah as your sister instead of your adversary. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it is a short-form digital series. It's six <laughs> episodes for the first season. It's uh, exclusively on Amazon Prime. And the, the, as you said, the episodes range between 10 minutes, and I think the longest one is maybe like 15 or 16 minutes. Um and you know now what we're discussing is is what we want to do for a second season. Hopefully, moving to uh, a longer format that would be the first thing that I would really like to do. And then deciding what platform uh, we're going to show it on. Are we going to stay on Amazon? Or are we going to possibly go somewhere else? So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of up in the air, but up in the air in a good way. <laughs> 
Well, that's great, because, yeah, it was nice that it was short and you could get all of it really quick, but, yeah, you could easily make it longer, and the storylines are very soap-like. I mean, you tackled all sorts of issues. It's crazy to see where you could go next, because there was the the trans issues as well as Me Too, and, you know, your father, played by Tristan Rogers, is, you know, dying. It's all very soapy, and you now have this daughter. You know, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the show, I guess. I'm just giving all the plots here. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've always liked about soap operas is the fact that because you're doing a show every day of the week during during the uh, you know Monday through Friday, um, you need a lot of material, and as such, you can you can take stuff that's happening in the headlines. You can take the really important social issues and deal with them almost in real time. And I wanted to make sure that the show uh, that the show did that that it, it you know wasn't just um, relationship-based story but also had sort of a you know a, a social uh, exploration going on and I'm, I think we did a, a nice job with that oh yeah definitely especially the episode with uh, Scott's character yeah you know, that I was like wow that was pretty powerful yeah I mean just he's, he's tremendous I'm, I'm so lucky to have the people working with me on this that I do um, you know I think everybody really put their heart and soul into this and they're all really excited to come back and do uh, a second season and you're right it's like you know where we go from here uh it could be anywhere you know but i do want to keep tackling issues like that that are you know provocative yeah because towards the end you know spoiler alert again guys when patrika darba who plays your mom yeah you're killing me yeah when she plays your mom and tells you about you know your biological father and that and i'm like oh my god wow right yeah i always joke with patrika that she and i have worked on so many projects together we really have lost track i think we've done like three films together and we started working together back on um step by step when she was on that show with Suzanne mm. Summers and Patrick oh, really? Duffy, and I, I was the guest. <laughs> Love yeah, Patrick Duffy. We just we just done so much stuff together. She's she's kind of like my ace in the in the hole. Anytime I produce something, I go to Patrika, and she's uh, you know she's always game. Yeah, and you guys have a great chemistry, and you can kind of tell that you've worked together for years because it just it's just fit to have her be your mother. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah she does a terrific <laughs> job, and you know she's got so much depth as a human being that she brings to her, her acting that it's really fun to watch her do the lighter, more comedic scenes. But boy, could she bring it when she has to, you know, get into the meaty dramatic scenes. Oh, yeah. And, and I swear, she's literally been in every show because I've been watching, you know, Desperate Housewives, as we all have plenty of times on our hand. And I loved that show when it was on. It's like, oh, it's on Hulu. And I'm like, well, there's Patrika. <laughs> you don't even remember. You're like, wow. Right. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, she's terrific, and and you know the same. Carolyn and I work together, and Tristan and I are, are very good friends. Um, he and his wife live down in Palm Springs, and Tristan and I did a play together in Palm Springs. So I've got I've got a nice shorthand with all of these actors, so that when I when I want to convey something to them, they kind of get what I'm saying very quickly. And you know that's one of the reasons that we have so many actors that come from daytime. Uh, in the first season is because, you know, daytime actors can learn tons of dialogue very quickly. They are used to not having multiple takes. And, 
you know, we had we had a very very tight shooting schedule. Uh, I think we I think we shot everything in like five days, which oh, is wow. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, normally you would shoot. You know, granted they're they're short episodes, but you know you would normally shoot a thirty minute show. Uh, you, I mean, if it was filmed like ours was filmed, that wasn't shot with multiple cameras, like you would shoot a soap opera. So that requires um, lighting setup. Unlike unlike when you do a soap, for people that don't know, the lights are already hung, and what they do is they just tell the lighting director what numbers, and it goes on very quickly. Um, so normally, you know, when you're doing a film, it takes three hours to do the lighting, so it takes usually you know five to six days to shoot uh, a thirty minute episode of something. But we we plowed through it, <laughs> did six in five days. Wow, that's crazy. Because I don't think people realize that that's how soaps work, and that's why they're able to turn out so much. Is you got forty pages of dialogue for sometimes you know one week of work, which is a lot. I remember taking a casting director's class from The Young and the Restless. He was like Steve Burton this week had forty pages of dialogue, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's almost like two months of Jason Morgan's dialogue. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't say much. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit like going to the gym. I don't know. You know, the more you do it, the, the stronger you get. But um, the ability to memorize a lot of dialogue is almost a prerequisite at this point if you're going to try and, uh, you know, make it on the soaps. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you can be a terrific actor, but if you can't memorize the dialogue, it's going to be really difficult for you and don't always last too long yeah i I know like it's crazy and you only get two takes to get it right really as well so yeah you better know it it. (laughs) yeah that's about it um yeah that's why you know doing a film is a real luxury because they really just you know obviously they've got bigger budgets generally when you're doing a film and they, they they give you more time to uh to rehearse and more takes generally and that's why if you can if you can do it in soaps you can you probably would do well in film too because you, you get more uh, I, I don't know it's more conducive I guess to giving the best possible performance and then I think I think theater is like the best because oh, yeah. generally you, you rehearse for you know four or five weeks so that's a luxury yeah and you see so many soap actors coming in and out of theater but mostly because it is sort of the same thing you get the luxury of rehearsing longer but you're live so you better get it right <laughs> no yeah yeah, yeah one second once that curtain goes up, man, you're a uh, sink or swim. Yeah, um, and like and like I say, I really loved Studio City. It is a love letter to soaps, and Carolyn Hennessy's performance in in this show is just great. I love her line when she tells she's talking to you about whether you know you're going to be a serious actor or just a pretty boy. Yeah, and if you want to be a pretty boy, just get a hosting job. And as a you know, a somewhat of a host myself, I found that hysterical. <laughs> you know, that was it. That was yeah. it. That was a terrific line. My yeah. wife Michelle specifically wrote that one, and uh, you know, I, I yeah, there's you know, there's I think especially people that work in daytime that watch the show are going to really find a lot of stuff to relate to. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to do so often when you see daytime portrayed in shows, other mediums outside of daytime, it's always kind of like you know, it's always kind of like making fun of daytime. Yeah. And I wanted to show that, you know, there are a lot of really good actors in daytime, some of the best that I've ever worked with. And so I didn't want, I didn't want the scenes within the show that that are on Hearts on Fire, the the show within the show, to be mocking of, of daytime. I mean, you know, they're not dead on center. You know, we do, we do 
you know, play a little bit for humor. You know, we do, but it's not this hyperbolic acting, you know, where you see this overly melodramatic acting that somehow that's how soap operas are always portrayed. And, you know, there's some really good acting on soap operas. And I, I didn't want this to be, I don't know, I didn't want this to, to, to make actors in daytime look like they're a joke. I wanted to show them for the hardworking, talented professionals that they are. Yeah, and I think that's what she was getting at in that scene, and I was glad that right. it was there. And like you say, it's funny. And, like, people tend to make fun of daytime, but what I like here is the show's funny, but it's not necessarily making fun of working in daytime right. or being a soap actor. It's all the other elements. Because I know you're a comedian as well, and, you know, so you have that bone, but so are a lot of other soap actors. And to me, sure. comedy's the hardest thing to do. And, yeah. and like you say, there's great actors on soaps. To me, some Absolutely. of the best are on soaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if, if, yeah, I'm glad that resonated with you because that means that we effectively we, we hit that mark, which we really wanted to. Um, you know, and it's tough, too, when you're, when you're trying to create a tone for the show and balancing dramatic and comedy, ultimately becoming a dramedy, um, it, it, it gives you a lot of different ways to go but you know you have to you have to hit specific notes right or the tone of the show becomes uneven so hopefully we're going to continue to to find our way with this um you know i really hope that for next season we're going to be able to bring an even longer season love to do like you know between 10 and 13 episodes and uh, you know it's going to give me a lot of pleasure to announce when we figure out what we're doing next well cool yeah, and, and like they say, comedy is tragedy plus time. So yeah, sort <laughs> Wait, of. Bring... That, I totally remember that. That was that was from Annie Hall. Wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> Alan Old, Alan Alda said that Nanny Hall. Yes, I know. If it, if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, <laughs> I love that movie. It's like, yeah, it's definitely Woody Allen's best. I would say, right. it's certainly top five. But yeah, like, the, sure. and that's sort of what your show does. Is like, sort of, there yeah. is the tragedy and there is the comedy. Plus, you get to see right. Tristan Cuss a lot, which you never get to see with Robert <laughs> Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. come, come, come down to Palm Springs, you can see him cuss all the time. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was what was fun about the show is I'm like, yeah, this is certainly a lot darker and deeper than what daytime gets to do because they're on a network. So, uh, you know, right. I look forward to seeing more. Yeah, I like I really like the fact that we're we're not kind of hamstrung by um, you know, the censors and things like that that you obviously have to comply with when you're on a network TV show. And I mean, for me, um, you know, I think all the best TV really is on the cable networks and the, oh, yeah. the, and streaming. the subscription. Yeah. The, subs yeah, the streaming. I mean, that, that to me is the best stuff. And I think one of the reasons is that you've just got so much more latitude and freedom to kind of behave the way people really behave. I mean, you know, people get pissed off. They swear. People, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, and I, I think that that humanizes the characters and, and makes it a little more realistic. Yeah, and that is the beauty and freedom of streaming, and it's nice to see more, you know, soap-type shows showing up like The Bay did. I haven't yet watched that, but I know you were on that as well, right? And that's an online soap. Yeah, yeah. I was on The Bay for a very mm. short uh, very short time. Um, yeah, and listen, you know, they've had, they've had great success with uh, taking their show from uh, uh, a small platform like, uh, a small format like ours to a longer format, and... Uh, you know, that's, that's certainly something that we're going to be doing. Um, 
what else was I going to tell you? Uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, you know, I, I, one thing we're really excited about uh, is that we've we've gotten all sorts of nominations for the show uh, between That's the awesome. uh, ISAs and pre-nominations for the Emmys. And I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say that, you know, while the show deals with a guy that is an actor on a soap opera, oddly enough, it's really not a show just for soap opera fans or about a soap opera. Um, you know, we... We want this to reach as wide an audience as possible. Um, and while there certainly is lots and lots of stuff for people that are soap opera fans to like about the show, um, it's also something that I think is less genre-based, that, that will find more of a, a wider mainstream audience. And uh, I, I don't want people to just sort of say, oh, it's, it's, it's another soap, because it's really not. And, and I, I hope people will give it a chance. Um, you know, like you said, it's really digestible. You can watch the entire first season in probably like 90 minutes, and we'll give you, uh, you know, you'll get a complete uh, taste for what the show's about, and hopefully it'll, it'll hook an audience for, uh, for what's coming next. Yeah, and like you say, it's not really a soap show. While it is about an actor who's on a soap opera and there are elements there, it certainly has a more gritty cable feel to it. Yeah. And, and that's certainly what I get. And, of course, soap fans are going to like it because they see people like you and Sarah and Tristan <clears throat> pop up that they're going to recognize. But anyone who stumbles upon it that just likes good TV is going to like it. And right. certainly when you're dealing with like issues that people are certainly looking for content in that yeah. vein. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, listen, everybody is obviously home now watching lots and lots of streaming television. And I mean, you know, we're, it's, 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 it's tragic why that's happening, but it is, it is a, a byproduct of, of, you know, everybody being you know, self-quarantined at home. Um, you, know, you talked about the, the show having kind of a gritty look to it, and mm -hmm. that's, that's something we really attribute to our, uh, our director, uh, Timothy Woodward Jr. Timothy is a film director. He's done... I don't know, he's probably done 15, 17 feature films. Um, I did two films with him, and that's how we came to know each other. I, I did a film called Gangsterland uh, that Tim directed with, uh, oh, God, who was in that? Um, Jason, uh, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm stressing on the name. Uh, I'm stressing on his name. Anyway, uh, and then I did another film uh, uh, called Beyond the Law with Steven Seagal and DMX. Oh, and, cool. Uh, you know, so, so Tim... Tim Tim and his his DP uh, Pablo Diaz really made a concerted effort to give this a very different look than you know you, you might see in some other shows. Now I have to look up I have to look up that film and see who I was talking about. It's just a bug man. I know. I'm like uh, yeah. I was like oh here let me find out. Let's see gangster. He's a Jason he's a Patrick. Oh yeah. Patrick. The funny oh thing God, about Jason wait. Patrick is he was in the movie Rush that's about Tyler Texas where I'm at right now. Like I saw the, the movie. Yeah. I saw, I saw that was that was a tough movie. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that was a hard yeah, Jason Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter uh, Peter Facinelli was in it. Oh and, yeah, uh, I love him. Jamie Lynn Sigler and then um, Milo Gibson, Mel Gibson's son played uh, Al Capone. Yeah. So it was a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. cool. So. But yeah, like I, I can't wait for more Studio City. Is there anything else you'd love to chat about today? I know we certainly have a lot of things out of production, but there are some things in post that people can talk about. <laughs> I, you know, I actually don't have uh, anything in post right now because Studio City was the last 
thing that I worked on uh, before life got turned upside down. Um, so, you know, at this point, uh, um, I just doing a lot of, a lot of talking with uh, my wife, Michelle, about ideas we have for, you know, upcoming episodes. Um, we're in the middle of uh, awards voting right now, so I'm just trying to do, you know, a lot of publicity for the show to kind of um, raise awareness about the show, uh, get more more people over to Amazon Prime to watch it. Um, no, that's that's pretty much uh, about it for me. So uh, if if people listen to this podcast and it inspires them uh, out of curiosity to go check us out, I, I sure would appreciate it. And if people want to follow me on social, uh, I'm on Instagram and and Twitter at Sean Cannon, and I, I'd love to hear. Uh, their thoughts, ideas, suggestions, etc., about the show, because I, I really would like the, the the show to be responsive to the audience that follows it. You know, I'd like to I'd like to hear some of their ideas and see if uh, they make sense as a way of incorporating them into future episodes. Yeah, and that's the beauty of social media, and that we all are connected, even if we can't be around each other. Is that people can sort of voice their opinion, and people can listen and make what they want. And what a great time for you and your wife to be able to be writing on this show when you can't really do much else. Much else, right? Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, listen, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, and I hope that you and your family remain so safe and healthy and. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get through this together. We're gonna get through this, and we're gonna look back on this, and hopefully, it's gonna be a, a distant memory. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, this gives people a little bit time to you know reset and back to being who they are at their core instead of just kind of always just going through the motions. I think eventually, like we'll look back on this as a you know a dark time, but it turned a corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's 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 a wise observation yeah. on your part. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, listen. Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to hearing uh, hearing the podcast. All right. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye you bye. too. Bye. All right. Now on to the second part of the show, which this week isn't a fact check, but instead a bonus interview with Richard from Soap Operas in Depth. Enjoy. All right, guys, it's Believe in Soap Operas. I'm your host, Lucretia Lyon, and with me this week, I have Soap Operas in Depths, Richard. How's it going, Richard? Well, hey there. How are you? Very nice to be here. Pretty good. But yeah, so like you work for Soaps in Depth, and as you were saying, because they do separate them on the magazines and the websites for ABC and CBS, and how Days is now part of the CBS one, which is interesting to me, because... You know, with ABC, they, they sadly only have the one, and I know I've missed the other two, and there's talk of bringing them back. So so what's it like to, to literally watch them all? <laughs> well, it's a lot easier than when we started. Yeah, um, sadly, yeah when there we, was like 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah when, well, when we launched in 1997, there were, I don't even remember, I think there were like 14. And at the time, I was covering several of them. I had to cover three or four of them um, while I was also running the magazine um i started at the job i have now i'm i'm um the way it works is we have um an editor-in-chief that's my boss dawn and then there's um charlie and i who we're managing editor and executive editor and normally someone at those levels doesn't cover a show you know you have a staff who does it but when we were starting we were you know we didn't have a whole staff yet and things happened really quickly we originally thought we were going to be um i think it was supposed to be like once every three weeks or something 
And immediately upon launching, the magazine and the idea behind it kind of caught on. And so they immediately said to us, yeah, we're going to have you go weekly right now. And we had no staff. So I was like, I was I was basically doing my job and covering three shows. It was it was crazy and fun and challenging. Um, but I don't know that I would want to do it again. <laughs> well, that's fun. Which were your three shows you started out with? Oh, geez. What did I cover? I covered Loving, which eventually morphed into the city. Uh, I was covering Port Charles because I remember I when I, I, well, I remember when Port Charles launched. Um, it was that it's same so funny. year. Yeah. It, well, it's so funny because one of the things that happens, um, I do all of, I live tweet the shows whenever mm-hmm. possible. And if not live tweet them, I do them later um, on uh, our, our Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. Soaps and Depth ABC and Soaps and Depth CBS. And um, one of the things that you run into a lot if you spend any time on soap Twitter is <laughs> that it can get a little crazy and sometimes a little nasty. And right now on General Hospital, there's a storyline where um, Sam and Jason have to stay apart because of Dolores, um, who is her <laughs> parole officer. Now, poor Dolores is just doing her job. Oh, I know. I'm but, on Team Dolores, but it, right, and it's not but just because I'm anti-J Sam. <laughs> Right. Sam and Jason are yeah. all up in her grill. Yeah. And and when I mention this, you know, immediately what happens is the people who are big fans of Sam and Jason, which I am as well, but it doesn't they don't you know, they, they, they don't draw that distinction. They get very upset with me. And they're like, oh, my God, you hate Kelly Monaco. Listen, <laughs> let me tell you, Kelly Monaco was one of my very first interviews at Soaps and Depth um, when we launched the magazine. This was, again, when she was playing Livy on Port Charles. Oh, yeah. We had so much fun. She is the coolest chick. I absolutely love her. And, you know, there's a difference between criticizing a storyline or even criticizing a character and not liking that storyline or that character. There's a big difference. And, and you know, what I do when I am on, I am commenting on what I am seeing on my screen right now. It is not about the actor. It's not about, you know, uh, the, the, I don't really ship couples. I ship storylines is my big, is what I say oh, all yeah. the time. If it's a good story, I love it. If it's not a good story, I'm going to point it out and I'm going to be like, this is what I don't like about it. Doesn't mean I'm right, because at the end of the day, uh, while I I do have the most amazing job in the world, I got this job mainly because I was at the time, this was 20 some years ago, I was a fan. So I'm really just a fan with a really awesome job. It doesn't mean my opinion is right, um, you know, and I, I don't expect every, anyone to think I'm right. I like the discussion. I like the debate. All I ask is that people, you know, keep uh, some some sense of civility, you know, and trying to remember we're talking about fictional characters on television and it's not really worth, you know, getting it. Like, people get nasty sometimes. Oh, not yeah. just with me, with, with each other. They're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, they, they're so mean to each other, like, on Soap Twitter, or I covered for After Buzz TV the soaps, General Hospital and YNR, as well as the superhero stuff. And I can just tell you that's a very similar, very passionate people that don't always separate reality and stuff. I mean, and I'm someone who's been a fan of both of these things my entire life. And I'm coming from a place of love. So sometimes when you don't like stuff, it's because you're like, I wish this could be better. And you certainly don't mean anything about the actors. You know, especially for us, we're sort of press in a way. 
We want these actors to like us and feel comfortable to be on our show. We're certainly not talking about them. We've got to separate the reality. Even they don't like their storylines sometimes. Oh, no. Yeah. That, that's very true. That's very true. And, you know, it's funny. Any, It's good in a way. It's anything that inspires that kind of passion. I mean, I, I also on Twitter, in my on my personal account, you know, not, I don't I don't really talk on my soaps accounts about it, but I'm also a huge fan of, like, Walt Disney World. And mm-hmm. what they call Disney twitter is just the same you know there are people out there who are crazy passionate about it and and they will get in fights over like you know there should only be one flavor of dole whip you know that kind of thing so anything that inspires the kind of passion that soaps and well disney world and superheroes things like that anytime you have that kind of passionate fan base you are going to have um a certain faction of it that maybe loves it a little too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And that's the thing is, but soap Twitter is infinitely entertaining. I I know that's how we sort of know each other, just like a diagnosis daytimes, Jen Bishop. And that's why it's good about us being remote. And you feel like you can connect with people a little bit more than you used to when you're stuck in LA or New York area or whatever, you're learning to really get in these call-ins like we've been able to do. But yeah, most of us just know each other for social media. And we discussed how that's the positive side. This is a little bit of the negative side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, you know, and and if there's if there's anything good that is coming out of the situation we currently find ourselves in, it's that the soaps are seeing some nice rating boosts. You know, and it's not just oh, yeah. soaps; it's it's all, all forms of television right now. You know, like The Voice last week had its best its best ratings in in ages. You know, the the soap ratings are are getting because when they're not taken off the air by you know by news conferences. People are home. They got something. They got nothing to do. So you know, that's you know, they might as that's that's one of the biggest problems with soap ratings um, over the last 20, 30 years was that so much of the audience was no longer at home. You know, like we really, as we saw more and more women, um, in in particular, moving into the workplace, that was a big you know, that, that had a big impact on soaps. I mean, there were other things as well. There was the fact that we now have 10,000 channels. Yeah. The O.J. Simpson trial didn't help. Um, there were a lot of factors that went into it. But a big one was that women went back into the workplace in, in mass. And as a result, not only did they not watch, but people like me, I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and I learned to watch soaps with my mom and my grandma. So if you look at you know, modern society where where the people who would traditionally be watching soaps and maybe they have their kids around and the kids get hooked, that's not happening because they're not home. They're, you know, they're out in the workforce. So, so there's, you know, I, I don't remember where this started when I started, but it all went to there. So... <laughs> Yeah, and it's just interesting to me because same my, you know, when I would go to work with my mom, she, you know, luckily it was like a two-person office and we could watch the ABC soaps with her or my grandmother or even my dad. He worked nights, so he still watches soaps and then taught me how to tape them so when I was at school, I could come and I could watch them. And this was pre-TiVo. I mean, I'm 31. And yeah, I remember getting a TiVo so I could take it to college with me and would even schedule my classes sometimes because I believe that was like during the text message killer on General Hospital and and some really good stuff. And I was like, I can't wait to get home and watch that. And, you know, so we've had to sort of shift in a different way of viewing it. But yeah, I'm trying to set up my grandmother on Hulu 
so that she can watch General Hospital when it's interrupted or whenever mm-hmm. she has her Tai Chi back when they were allowed to do that at the old folks home. Right. But yeah, it, it's like we sort of have to evolve as watchers as well. But that's the good thing about right now, as you say, how many people are tuning in and they're able to see Victor and Nikki's first wedding, you know, as a flashback and maybe get pulled back in to see what's going on. And, you know, most people have kind of even gone on to learning that things are online, and some of which are free. I know ABC.com is free to watch General Hospital that day, and they're kept on there for like, a you know, a week or so if you don't have cable even. So there's also like Hulu, which is cheap. It's like 10 bucks a month. So people who watch General Hospital can get that on there. But yeah, CBS All Access, same thing. It's 10 bucks a month. And for people who are looking to catch up on those shows, have them there and they even have the archive episodes. Well, that's, an, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it brings up an interesting point and sort of a question that came up mm-hmm during the, the relaunch of All My Children and One Life to Live when they were relaunched on Hulu. You know, originally it was going to be on yeah. um, its own network and then it moved to uh, Hulu. And one of the big questions that um, is still, it, it still sort of becomes a question now is people say, you know, oh, bring back my soaps. Bring, you know, I want, I want, you know, whether it's All My Children or The Edge of Night or Guiding Light or whatever, you know, I want to see them. And people tell you when you ask them, people tell them, tell you know, they, they will say, yes, I would pay to watch my shows. But the question becomes, will they really, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, the, 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 the ratings for all my children and one life to live when they came back were OK, but they weren't spectacular. Um, and, you know, if if all my children and one life to live were to come back yet again, you know, whether it was one or both of them. There's a very good chance that they would end up online and probably behind a paywall. So the question becomes, you know, you have to be a soap fan who's willing to put your money where your mouth is, you know, and that means whether you're buying the magazines or paying for Hulu or paying for a network, you know, if if you're not willing to put a little financial support behind the thing you love, then the thing you love can go away. We've seen it. We've seen, you know, how many soaps go away in the last 20 years. Yeah, and and I don't think that people necessarily always get that because everybody thinks, well, I don't matter. Like, so, like, if one person doesn't buy it, you know, it won't matter. If I use the same account as, like, ten other people, it won't matter. But it kind of does. I mean... Oh, no, not kind of. It really does. (laughs) I I urge our fans, I mean, um, you know, when, when the issues come out, I say, listen, it's great that you're excited about, you know, let's say we have a feature with whether it's Kelly Monaco or um, Daniel Goddard or whoever. It's great that you're excited about that, and I want you to tell people about it. But if you share those articles online before the off-sale date, then you are actually hurting not only me. I mean, obviously, you're taking money out of my pocket because you're you're – taking our articles and printing them online but you're also hurting the shows themselves because you know we cover what sells so you know if we put something on the cover and it sells well then that's something that's going to get more covered so you know if we put your couple on the cover and you love them then you want to buy that to show the love because then we'll continue putting them on the cover and that extends all the way that's you know people who watch the soaps on YouTube as opposed to watching them online where they're commercial supported. Um, you know, anything you do that sort of takes money out of the pocket of whether it's the network that's producing them or the magazine that's covering them or, you know, whatever, then, then you're sort of 
helping in the deterioration of the actual thing that you love. Well, it's sort of like the way the music industry became because of things like Napster. And then it, you know, upgraded to like YouTube and watching things on YouTube that were free, not really going to the artists until you had to see like them finally get a handle on it with stuff like Spotify and Pandora that have sort of subscriptions and things like that. But that's sort of where you have to get with people. It's like, no, right. and even there, have to pay. Even, yeah. <laughs> and even there, yeah. those, you know, um, I happen to know someone who is a uh, songwriter and the money that they see coming in is so much less than it should be because even with those subscription services, it's not where the they were previously yeah. getting, you know, based on record sales and things, the subscription services, they're making so little money off of that it's, you know, it's difficult. So, yeah, if you're if you're basically saying, oh, don't buy that, I'll burn it for you, you know, then you're taking money out of people's pockets and that's, that's just not good for any industry that you, you know, that you want to show support of. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody has to make money and we have to live. I mean, we're all currently experiencing, you know, a different form of the economic depression with us uh, staying at home. But some of us luckily can work from home. But it's sort of like, can we just apply that same mindset of like, we have to buy stuff (laughs) to keep stuff going. And it's great that we, you know, have some of us still working, but some people are not. But maybe you take that knowledge and think about it the next time you try to burn a CD or steal some songs off the internet or, you know, don't watch your soaps on Hulu or ABC or CBS. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Because, and then that's what, you know, that's sort of empathy there. You're having to put yourself in that shoes. And now people are probably seeing a little bit more than they used to. But it's sort of like any creative field. People don't always get that it's like, well, I mean, it's not about the money, but it kind of has to be a little bit about the money (laughs) in order to live, in order to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned something interesting that was brought up when I interviewed Tanya Walker, who was Olivia Jerome and Alex Olenov on One Life to Live. And she she was actually a friend of mine's stepmother for years, too. So it was interesting. She brought up the OJ trial specifically as one of the many reasons that soaps sort of died in the 90s. And it is seems to be a big consensus. And I think that's what they were worried about with the impeachment. But I know that's why I kept sort of tweeting, now General Hospital's back, everybody. But it's sort of been a blessing in disguise in a way, because now the soaps had extra episodes. So they won't run out of new ones as quickly as they would have. So I think in turn... And with the news surrounding that sort of made it a positive. What do you think? Um, I don't think it's ever a positive when shows are knocked off the air. Um, Because, you know, that's... It's really, really, really easy for people to lose the habit of watching. Oh, yeah. You know, if you if you knock shows off the air for two weeks, then suddenly people are like, you know, especially if the show happens to be in a period where maybe you're not really all that interested in what you're seeing. You know, usually because the show's on every day, um, soaps are, soaps are, soap audiences are so much different than like any other audience. And so, you know, we're, we're sort of used to turning in every day. And we do it out of habit in the good stories and the bad stories and the mediocre stories. But if all of a sudden, if the show that you're watching really isn't all that interesting to you and it's off the air for three weeks, suddenly you're like, you know what? I've just reclaimed that time. I don't know that I'm going to go back. And it's much easier for someone to stop watching than it is for a show to get you back. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Now, what I do think, though, 
is that what they should be doing right now, um, nobody knows when the shows are going to you know, be able to go back into production. So right now, CBS and ABC are both running Flashback Friday type things. Mm-hmm. Days doesn't really have to worry because they have so many episodes in the can that they're good for you know, like the next eight months. But what they probably should be doing is not just doing this Flashback Friday thing. They probably should cut back to like two days, maybe three days a week, You know, whether you're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. And do some form of alternate programming in between. Um, I would do, you know, not just classic episodes, but I would pick like a really great storyline and and run that for like, you know, five, six days uh, over the course of two or three weeks. Like, you know, the cruise of deception on on Days of Our Lives or Luke and Laura, you know, on the run during the, 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 the Ice Princess story, things like that. Um, ABC is, is airing more recent things that's always that's been abc's thing for years now is they're very into mentoring so they want to run something that is going to be sort of relevant to the to the, the current audience whereas i think it was really smart of cbs to run the 1984 wedding of victor and nikki i mean i saw so many people excited about that and tweeting along with it and stuff and you know there's 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 value for the network in running recent reruns because they want to sort of mentor you and, and give you um, sort of they want to they want to showcase things that might be important to what's happening on screen now. But there's also a huge nostalgia value to people tuning in to see something that they haven't seen in 20, 30 years. Um, I will be interested in, in the coming weeks to see how these you know, these two different approaches, very, very different approaches work um, on a ratings basis. But I think, you know, in if you look at England, um, I think it's Hollyoaks might be, might be all three of them, might be Hollyoaks, Coronation Street, and EastEnders. They're cutting back on the number of episodes they air. Those shows used to air two or three times a week in primetime. And then they became so popular that they started airing five times a week, sometimes six times a week in primetime. Now they're cutting that back again. They're like, you know what? Right now, while we're while we're struggling to get new episodes out, we're going to cut back and we're going to do two nights a week or we're going to do three nights a week. And there's really no reason that daytime couldn't do that exact same thing. One idea that Charlie and I had that we thought would be really fun to do was on the episodes where you're doing reruns, get a couple of actors who you know would be good. For example, if I'm doing a rerun of say the Young and the or the Bold and the Beautiful from seven years ago, I would get. Um, uh, Scott Clifton and maybe Darren Brooks and I would have them do basically like Mystery Science Theater 3000 where okay. during the episode they are offering commentary through it because they are hysterical they're funny they're very fast on their feet it would be it, it gives viewers another reason to tune in as opposed to just you know oh here's a flashback to something I really want to see here's a flashback to something I really want to see with two very funny actors offering behind the scenes and backstage comments on it I think that would be a blast I would tune in to see that oh yeah like take Steve Burton and Bradford Anderson yep. who do several podcasts and live yep. podcasts and all sorts of events together they could do the text message killer storyline that I brought up because that was a big thing for Spinelli with Georgie and everything like that as well as you know everything always revolves around Jason on General Hospital and Steve Burton is funny and we don't really get to see that as much and how many people would be more interested in sort of learning about that and would probably tune in or start to follow people on Twitter when because yeah that's a that's a brilliant idea because even even like you say if stuff is maybe just a year or two old that would add a little bit to it and I know that that ABC does like to sort of tie in with stuff that's going on 
but how much of that stuff could be tied into things 20 years ago as well. I know I've mentioned several times how they could do the Asian Quarter storyline because that was part of Brad's history that was like a blink and you miss it here, that he's uh, Kim's son. It, you know, we still have Anna Devane on canvas and she's celebrated her 35-year anniversary, Fanola has with the show. I mean, that would be something that they could do because like you say, the Victor and Nikki wedding, I was interested in that because that happened before I was even born. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool to watch this. And all right, all right, we get it. Yeah. You're young. We get it. <laughs> but yeah, and, and same thing with the Asian Quarter, I guess. It, it'd be nice to see some of this stuff. And I, I do think that a, even a younger audience would be interested as well as the older. Because I, I know everybody's all about the member berries and uh, nostalgia these days. Even if you weren't there, it's still cool to look at things. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. And I know you brought up the soap operas in depth articles and stuff online. One thing I read was Vincent Irizarry, who I've mentioned several times on this podcast, as Dr. David Hayward is desperately needed to uh, be on General Hospital. How many people would be interested in maybe seeing why some of us think that if they didn't watch All My Children and see his chemistry with Vanola? And that's something that they could do. I mean, I know they still own the rights, I believe, to the archives of All My Children. Yeah, they do. I mean, I don't think that they would do that. There's yeah. no way they're going to, they're not going to run. Um, I mean, first of all, maybe if he had, maybe if he eventually signs on, then they yeah. might, and, and we're still in this period, then they would consider doing that. But I still don't think they would. I don't think that they would show an All My Children episode um, in place of, you know, as a way of tutoring a general hospital audience. ABC is. ABC is way too um, focused on modern mentoring. They really are not big on reaching into the past. Um, so I think I, I think that they would be very reluctant to do that. I mean, even, you know, you look at the episodes that they're going to be airing between now and May, and they're all going to be, you know, for the most part, they're going to be from the last year or two. They're not going to go back into the vault much. Uh, they may once or twice, but I think the vast majority of what you see is going to be more like what we saw last week, where um, it was, you know, fairly recent. Yeah, and that episode was great, because I'm a big Scotty fan, and it was a nod to history and stuff, like, you know, with his family that you don't really get to see on unfortunately, on General Hospital. And and they've done a better job of doing things like that in the past. But like you say, getting, you know, the archives out just never been one of their things. No, not at all. It's, 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 um, they're very, very, even when they did Super Soap and stuff, it was very much about, um, um, mentoring, uh, the modern show, the modern audience. Um, I, I think there's a part of it that's sort of like, they would, you know, you're never going to say it aloud, but it's sort of like we don't want to remind people of things that they can't necessarily have anymore. You know, um, we, we don't we can't do big weddings anymore. We don't have the budget for it. So we don't want to necessarily show, you know, Luke and Laura's wedding or whatever. Now, CBS took a completely different approach. CBS oh, yeah. said, you know, hey, we want we want to this is something we know people want to see where it's sort of the difference between. Um, in some ways, it's sort of a difference between serving your audience and serving the needs of a network. And there are ways to make those two things compatible, but you really have to want to do it. Yeah, I mean, you sort of have to meet halfway. Like I said, you could shuffle, you know, a, a classic episode showing the way things used to be, or just a year or two, you know, ago, and maybe switch off here or there. But 
you know, I understand their point. Like you say, it's serving the network. It's a little bit easier. They don't want people to be like, oh, why can't we have this anymore? But at the same time, you see something like what CBS did, bringing Victor and Nikki's first wedding. They're still together on the show. That's what's interesting. I maybe understand the argument of not showing something like Luke and Laura, but something like the Asian Quarter storyline and Anna being a badass, a lot of people have been asking for that since the whole Peter debacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a way to fix it. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's also, you know, there's it's, it's a very difficult situation where just because the audience wants something doesn't necessarily mean you should give it to them. No, um, you and, shouldn't pander to just them. Beca- <laughs> and just because the audience thinks they want something doesn't mean that they want that. You know, um, and that that sounds counterintuitive, but soap fans want nothing more than, you know, happy endings. You know, when Michael's baby was kidnapped from the beginning, they were like, oh my God, give Michael back his baby. Well, great, we'll give yeah. Michael back his baby, and then Michael has... <laughs> then Michael has no story. Yes, we can reunite every couple that you want to see together, but then those couples have no story. Um, I, I remember years ago I was interviewing uh, the then president of NBC Daytime about a uh, couple on Passions, and I said, you know, it was a Louise and Sheridan on Passions, and I said, one of the things we hear more than anything else is if you don't unite Louise and Sheridan I'm going to quit watching. And he laughed and he said, that's the best thing anybody can say to me. Because if you have a fan who is so passionate that they swear they're going to stop watching, if you don't give them what they want, they are never going to stop watching. They are, they are, they are hooked. They want that happy ending. They will go through anything to get to that happy ending. And I often joke that modern soap fans would never survive classic soap stories. Oh, no. You know, um, one of the ex- one of the examples I use a lot is um, Felix, Philip Spaulding and his paternity on Guiding Light. That went on for like fifteen years before the truth came out. Uh, you know, there, and there are, the, the daytime history is littered with stories like that that just took years and years and years. And now, three months into any story, soap fans are like, "Oh yeah, I." You know, it's we have a collective short attention span, and we want what we want, and we want it now. We're Veruca Salt from from Willy Wonka <laughs> yes. and the Chocolate Factory, but but really, what we want is good drama. And 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 in my mind, and again, I'm you know I'm old school soap opera. In my mind, what makes for good drama is when you get really close to to that happy ending, and then something steps in the way, and then you build up to it again, and you're almost there, and then something happens. I do think that once you get to that payoff, you have to, um, like if it's, if it's a couple finally getting married or some kind of happy ending, you do have to revel in that a little bit and you do have to let the audience have that before you take it away from them. Uh, that's something that The Bold and the Beautiful is terrible with. The Bold and the Beautiful gives couples happy endings and then writes them off for the next year until they're ready to rock the boat again and then brings them back. They're, they're great. Right now, Bold and Beautiful probably does better payoffs than anyone. But they're terrible at the follow-up. They're just abs. I mean, you know, we recently had the situation where um, Thomas was finally exposed at the wedding. And, you know, we all knew what was going to happen in that moment. We all knew from the moment that Thomas designed two wedding dresses that Hope was going to come down those stairs and that Hope was going to be wearing the wedding dress and that Thomas would, like, have to decide, you know, and then and then that he would be exposed. We all knew that. But it, the great thing about BMB is that it's excellent at taking situations where we all know exactly what's going to happen and managing to make it over-the-top entertaining anyway. The problem is... As soon as Thomas was exposed, as soon as that wedding was over, Thomas vanished. Thomas is the most interesting person on the canvas, and he's at the most interesting point. He has just been exposed. What is he going to do next? 
and he hasn't been on here for like three weeks. That's that's terrible follow up because I want to know what is the most what's happening to the most interesting person on the canvas. The most interesting person on the canvas is very rarely the hero or heroine. They oh, are no. not. They they may be the ones that we're. We're, we want to see their happy ending. You know, we want to see whether you are a Liam Steffi fan or a Liam Hope fan. We want to see that couple get together. But the most interesting person on the canvas is the one who makes you angry, is the one who you tune in every day to see what they're going to do. So so you always have to make sure that when you're telling a story, the most interesting person on the canvas or in that story is front and center. Because no matter how much people talk about the couple that they want to see, the, the, the troublemaker is the one they're interested in. The Sheilas of the world, the, the Todd Mannings, oh, you know, yeah. the, Todd the Helena Cassidy. These are the people we, they're, they're the people that you tune in to see because for two reasons. One, because they are the stumbling block between the people that you want to see together. So there's that. But there's also the fact that they just make for good television. Bad guys make for good television, period. J.R. Ewing, you know, Alexis Carrington. They are the characters. You're going to talk, when you talk about a show like Dallas or Dynasty, you're going to talk a whole lot more about J.R. Ewing than you are Bobby. You're going to talk about Alexis, not Blake. You know, it's it's the bad guys who keep us coming back for more. Yeah, and, and like you say, so many times you're looking for that next step, like you said about Bold and the Beautiful, and you mentioned Helena Cassidyne. I mean, Valentin had this great moment finding out he's not a Cassidyne after all these years with Constance Towers coming back as Helena and his vision, his drunken vision, and then we had nothing for weeks, and we're only seeing little bits of him sort of trying to take over ELQ and deception, and and that's who I want to see. I want to see more Valentin. James Patrick Stewart is amazing, and... Ava Jerome is one of the best characters because Mora is the queen. But do we ever really get to see that much of them? Not really. And that and that's where General Hospital sometimes gets me. I'm like, okay, Sonny and Jason, we get like they're, they're good guys, they're but they're they're really kind of bad, but they're not bad like they are. They don't get to have that kind of fun. And we want to see a little bit more like that. See them sort of be the foil and let them be that. But like you say, I'm rooting I laughed when Char- Charlotte tripped Jax because I'm not rooting for Nina and Jax. <laughs> like it's kind of hard to root for them at this point. I'm like, okay, now they're together and blah 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 yes i'm pulling a soap trope and making you wait until thursday to get the rest of the interview with soaps and depths richard and there might be another surprise this week and next for all of you so stay tuned thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.